So um, this week I was reading about, um, I don't know, what, what I'm going to talk about here this morning, and I stumbled across this old Korean fable, <laughs> like, a, like an old Korean uh, fairy tale, and it, was, uh, it made me laugh, it made me smile, and I thought it was a good way to kind of lead into the topic that I want to talk about this weekend. So do you want to hear a fairy tale? Nod your head, yes. We always do. Okay, good. Um, so here it is. Once upon a time, long ago, there lived a boy named Bae, B-A-E. I don't know if that's a typical Korean name or what, but a boy named Bae who did not like to work at anything. The only thing Bae loved was sleeping. He could sleep all day long and all night long too. The people in his village didn't call him Bae. They called him Lazy. One morning, Bae's mother woke him up and she called her son. She said, Bae, I'm sick. I can't get out of bed. Please bring me a glass of water. Bay rolled over in his bed and he groaned. How could his mother do this to him? It was early. The sun was barely above the horizon. The sky was still half dark. He groaned again, he rolled over, and a moment later, he was fast asleep. Bay! His mother called out loudly. Her voice pierced this sweet dream that Bay was having. Bay! You lazy cow! (laughs) I laugh every time I read that. Bring me some water! Lazy cow. How nice would that be? Lazy cows, Bay thought, did nothing all day long but lays in the grass. Being a lazy cow, what could be much better than that? Then his his mother wouldn't have to wake him up from his sweet, dreamy sleep. Yes, it would be nice to be far away from his mother, who always asked him to bring her water or wash the dishes or clean the barn. It would be nice to be far away from his father, who asked him to work in the fields. It would be even nicer to be far away from his teachers, who asked him to do work in school. How nice would it be to live on his own, to sleep whenever he wished, with no one to disturb him? That's when Bay decided that he was going to run away from home. He rolled out of bed, he carried a glass of water to his mother, he waved farewell, and he set off down the road. Where would he go? He had no place in mind. Anywhere would be just fine so long as no one asked him to work. So he ambled and daydreamed, the next best thing to sleep in dreams, and he whistled and he hummed and he looked at the bright blue sky and dreamed of living a nice, lazy life. He went to the next village and he came upon a market where, where he happened to walk past an old man selling masks. When he spied a cow mask, he stopped and he smiled. Soon he began to tell the old man his story. Only this morning I was wishing that I could be a cow, they said. People call me lazy, but I only wish to be left alone, like a cow. Why is that, the old man asked. I don't like to work, Bay told him. In fact, I hate working. My mom calls me a lazy cow. The man smiled. Well, he said, why don't you go ahead and take the mask? If you put it on, you'll turn into a cow. At first, Bay only stared at him. You're joking, right? He asked. But the old man shook his head, and he pushed the mask toward Bay. Gingerly, Bay lifted it up, he put it on, and to his amazement, the moment he was wearing the mask, he turned into a cow. He opened his mouth to ask the old man what was happening, but moo was the only word that he could utter. The old man called out to the farmers, who would like to buy my cow? Soon, a farmer bought the cow that had once been the boy named Bay. Don't feed him turnips, the old farmer said. Turnips will kill him. (laughs) We'll come back to that. 
The farmer led his new cow to his farm where he put him to work in the fields, hauling the plow. Whenever the cow stopped to rest, the farmer whipped him. Lazy cow, he called. Bay began to dream of the days when he had been a boy. If only he could turn back into that boy. He swore he'd never complain about fetching his mother water or washing the dishes or working with his dad. As he trudged through the fields under the farmer's whip, he dreamed of his boyhood, remembering how much he loved his parents and his brothers and his sisters. He couldn't believe it. He even missed school. Then one morning, the cow that had been turned in, I'm sorry, the cow that had been a boy named Bay remembered the old man's warning to the farmer. Turnips. That was the trick. He knew where there were some turnips in a nearby farmer's field. Before dawn, when no one was looking, he snuck out of the barn and he made his way to the farm next door. He found a basket of turnips and he took a big bite. The moment he did, he felt himself changing and he looked down and he saw that he was a boy again. To his amazement and delight, he was a boy standing in his family's field. He reached for a hoe and he began to work very hard. I'll never be lazy again, he whispered. I'll never be lazy again. From that morning on, Bay was never lazy, not even for a moment. He worked harder than anyone else in the village, and no one called him lazy anymore. The end. I read that story, I'm like, okay, that's good, that's cute, that's a cute little story, right? We know, we know what the moral of the story is, right? Don't be lazy. Right? It's kind of the moral. Life, life could be worse. Don't take too much rest. Work hard. The best boys and girls are the ones that are the hardest workers. They're the ones that work and work and work and work. And so I was thinking about that and thinking about what I wanted to talk about this weekend. I thought, I wonder if there might be like another lesson that Bay would need to learn when he was an adult. Right? Like maybe when he turned into adult, there would be another fable or another fairy tale written about him that would teach him something different, but that was just important. Like maybe all work with no rest is just as bad as no work with all rest, right? Because the reality is like we live in a world, it sounds like Korea is, is similar, we live in a world where it's like the people that are the hardest workers that work, 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 work all the time that can take, that have the greatest capacity to do, 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 they're the best, right? Like that's what we need to strive to be like. And the idea of taking time to rest, not being lazy, right? Like we get that, like that extreme is bad too, to not do anything and never work. But the other extreme where all we do is work is wrong too, right? And so I was chewing on all this this week and I thought, you know, we're headed into summer, we finished up this series last week called More and More, and I thought, I would love to take a week and just talk about rest, because the Bible actually has a ton to say about rest, and um, we live in a place where the idea of taking rest, regular rest, uh, we, we just, we, we twist it up sometimes, and we feel like maybe guilty when we do that, when actually God calls us to in a really strong way. So this weekend, I want to talk about rest, like we know, I think we probably all know that in some way it's good to rest. Why is it good to rest? Like, what is rest? You ever thought about that? Like, is it just sitting around doing nothing, you know, like being, not doing any work, the absence of work? Is that what rest is? So I want to talk about that this week. 
again, because I think the Bible has some really, really strong things to say about it. So if you've got a Bible, I would love, you guys ready to work? We'll rest later, okay? You ready to work? No resting during the sermon, by the way. No heavy eyes. Anyway, grab a Bible if you would, open it up to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. So literally in the church Bibles, this is page 2. So Genesis is very, <coughs> excuse me, very first book in the beginning of the Bible. So um, the Bible talks about resting, like I said, lots of different times. And the word that it uses for rest is Sabbath, is Sabbath. And Sabbath, it comes from a Hebrew word that means to cease. It means to stop. It means to pause. It means to rest. And so when we read in Genesis chapter 2, so if you know the beginning of Genesis, you guys know how the, the, the uh, Bible starts. It says, in the beginning, God created right? And the first chapter of Genesis is all about God creating everything. And so day one, he creates stuff. Day two, he creates stuff all the way through day six. And then in day seven, which is where we're going to pick up, it says that God rested from his work. And so this is what it says. This is Genesis chapter two, verse one. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested. That's that word Sabbath. It's actually Shabbat in Hebrew. He rested, he Shabbat, from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it he Shabbat, he rested from all the work that he had done. So on his seventh day, God, I, think, I think because I'm talking about rest, I'm going to sit during this portion of the sermon. Uh, so on the seventh day, it says that God rested, right? So he created everything the first six days, and then he rests from his creative work. And it says that he takes the seventh day that he's resting on, and it says he makes it holy, right? So I'm going to swing back around to that here in a minute. Let me ask you a question. You ever think about this? Why did God rest? Like, was he tired? And you think about that, does, does God get tired? I don't know, something about that doesn't seem right. Like, I know he did a lot by creating everything, but is that why he rested? Because he was tired. I don't think so. Here, here's kind of the first point I'll build off of this. God rested, not because he was tired, but he rested to give us an example to follow. God rested, not because he's tired, but to give us an example to follow. So we're going to spend all of our time, most of our time this morning in uh, the book of Genesis and the book of Exodus. So Genesis is the first book. Exodus is the second book. So if you've got a Bible, flip over, keep one foot, one foot, one finger. Don't put your foot in your Bible. That's not good. One finger in uh, Genesis chapter 2 and then flip to the right to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, if you don't know, is probably the most famous chapter in all the Bible. Exodus chapter 20 is about the Ten Commandments right? And do you remember what the fourth commandment is about? It's about the Sabbath. It's about rest. So this is what it says. This is Exodus 20, verse 8. We'll throw it up on the screen, too. It says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. By the way, that is, alien is a foreign-born person, right? So it's a non-Jew. It's not a person from another planet. Uh, so your animals, your manservant, maidservant, the alien within your gates... For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the seventh day 
and he made it holy. And so you read that and you're like, okay, what's, this, what's the thinking there? What's the, ra- the logic there? The, the logic is you're to rest because God rested, right? I, just as I rested on the seventh day, so you're to rest. So he's like this example for us with this. And then I would add to that first statement. Go ahead and click on that next one. I'd add to that first statement. He rested to give us an example and he commanded it, right? Like very, very clearly in the Ten Commandments, like this is one of them. He commands us to rest. It's not a um, suggestion, right? It's not optional, but he commanded it. So he sets us an example and he says, I want you to do this. And he tells us to do it, right? And I think this is really interesting. So this is a, it's a fascinating study. When you go back through the Bible, particularly the Old Testament, and you read this stuff about rest and Sabbath, it's really interesting who God applies it to because he doesn't just apply it to people. Rest isn't just for people. In fact, you probably caught it there in uh, the Exodus 20 passage. He talks about people, son, you, son, daughter, manservant, maidservant, and he says, you're animals, Right? You get three chapters later in Exodus 23, and he talks about the ox and the donkeys. Like, you've got to give them rest. That's very important. The Sabbath applies to animals as well. If you have a cat, you know that animals need rest. Cats Sabbath like 23 and a half hours out of a day, right? Like, animals need rest just like humans re- need rest. We know what else is interesting? Later in chapter 23, it talks, so people need rest animals need rest. You know what else needs rest that God is very clear about? The land, the earth, right? And so in, in later in chapter 23, he says, every seventh year, the land you farm needs a Sabbath. You need to not farm it. You need to just kind of let it do its thing, let it grow, right? And so, so even like you look at God's creation, he created us to need rest, right? He created animals to need rest. He created the earth, the land, to actually need rest. And so God rested as an example to us, and he commanded us to rest as well. So here's a question. What is rest? Ever think about that? Like, what is it? I mean, like I said earlier, is it like just ceasing from doing work? You know, is it like, what does it mean to take rest? Does it mean I can't do anything? Does it mean I can't, like, get up in the morning and brush my teeth? You know, does it mean I can't shave? Does it mean I can't, like, make a meal? Is that not rest? I can't like go on a walk? Like what, I have to sit in my lazy boy all day? Like is that what rest is all about? Well, when you study the Bible, when you study the Sabbath in the Bible, it seems to have two main functions for rest. So God commands us to take it. He sets an example. He commands us to take it for two main reasons, right? Here's the first reason. Rest is a time to focus on the Lord and worship him with his family. This is the first one. Rest, I'll symbolize it with a cross. Rest is a time to focus on the Lord and worship him with his family. So remember back in uh, Genesis 2, early when I, the, the one I started with, it said that God blessed the seventh day and he made it what? Holy, right? Do you know what that word holy means? Holy means, it, it basically means set apart. It means separate unto the Lord. And so I want you to, I want you to like get this. So when God commands us to rest, he said, seventh day is different. It's a, it's a holy day. It's a day that you are to set apart. And when you set it apart, I want you to focus on me, right? And I want you to think about that. Like, 
we go through, if you're like me, and I think you are in this, you go throughout our week and there are so many things that are influencing us. There's so many things, like we live, this world is great in so many ways and it's also really hard and really frustrating in so many ways, right? And so you go throughout your week and we're influenced by all of this stuff all the time conversations that we have, things we hear on the radio, things that we read, things that we see on TV. We're always being influenced. And God says, I want you to take a day every single week and I want you to set it apart for me. And I want you to focus. I want you to like recalibrate, recalibrate. I want you to reboot and remember me. Remember how I provide. Remember what I call you toward, right? So the seventh day is like a day that's set apart for us. It's a day that's holy. And so part of that is personal for me, right? And so like, it's just me. We talked about this in the more and more series. It's me connecting with God personally and individually. However, part of what God calls um, his people to do on the Sabbath is not just worship individually in your own houses, but he actually called, he actually commanded them to also come together. And so there's this personal part of the Sabbath, where we focus on the Lord. But then there's this part where the church, where his people, where his family gathers together. So in Old Testament times, God commanded the Israelites, the Jews, to get together on the Sabbath and go to temple and worship him. Gather together and worship him together. As time went on, it, it turned into synagogues. Temples destroyed, turned into synagogues. But they would go, many still do, go to synagogue every week, every Saturday night is the Sabbath, right? We're Sunday morning. I'll, I'll get to that here in a second. We would tell them, I want you to gather together and do that. And so that's what the Sabbath is all about. And I think this is interesting too. It's not just the seventh day of the week. There's actually additional um, times throughout the year, space throughout the year, that God commanded the people to take a Sabbath. And so these were, these were essentially holidays or holy days. The words used in the Bible are sacred feast days. And so these are things like the Passover, the Feast of first fruits, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, the Feast of Tabernacles. So these were other days, additional days, that they were called to be set apart, to not do any work, relax. Don't do any work. I want you to focus on me, and I want you also to gather together and to worship me. Does it make sense? So this is the first purpose of the Sabbath. It's a day that's set apart where we focus on the Lord, where we recalibrate, where we reboot, and we also do it together as a family. Okay? That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. Rest is anything that refreshes us. Rest is anything that refreshes us. When I think about being refreshed, what refreshes better than Gatorade, right? By the end of this morning, that Gatorade will be gone. So rest is all about refreshment. So there's this time where we go, we separate, and we're like with God, we focus on God, we do it together. But then it's like, what is rest? It's anything that refreshes us. That's God's point with this. And so you go to, back to Exodus 23. Don't worry about flipping there. We'll throw it up on the screen. This is what it says. For six years, you're to sow your fields and harvest the crops, during the seventh year, so, so there is rest during the seventh year, the land, we talked about that. Let your land lie unplowed and unused. Then the poor among your people may get food from it. The wild animals may eat what they leave. Do the same with your vineyard and olive grove. Then he goes to days. Six days do your work, but on the seventh day do no work so that your ox and your donkeys, talk about animals too, may rest the slave born in your household, the alien, the non-Jew as well, so that they may be refreshed. You see that at the end? What's, what's the second purpose of the Sabbath? Refreshment. What does it look like 
the, in your life to be refreshed. Because I think this is interesting. It's different for each of us, right? Ref, like what's refreshing is not universally the same. And so I think about my life and I think, if, if, there, if I'm, if I'm going to set a day aside to be refreshed, right, I'm going to do, like, one of the things for sure that I would do is I would have a really good workout, you know, where I would get sweaty and stinky and, you know, I call that a cleansing sweat, by the way. When I sweat, <laughs> it's like, there's no such thing as a cleansing sweat. But where, you wor- where I work really hard, maybe there's competition, you know, so I'm playing basketball or playing tennis or a CrossFit workout, whatever it is. Like, for me, that's, that is refreshing, right? For somebody else, you'd look at that and you go, that is the opposite of refreshing. Like, that is no fun at all. That would not be something that I would have in my, you know, in my Sabbath, in my day of rest and refreshment. For me, I would um, probably watch a movie. You know, so like I love, I've said this numerous times up here, I love to like sit around. And so after a really intense workout, lay on a couch and just sort of zone out and watch a stupid sitcom or something like that. Or watch a stupid uh, romantic comedy. Don't make fun of me because I like romantic comedies, okay? Or Star Wars or whatever it is. And, and so in my family, I do that with my kids. Marsha, it's like torture for her to sit and watch a movie for, you know, on the couch and not get up. She, she, she's busy. She likes to do stuff around. So for her, that's not refreshing. For me, it is. For me, I'd probably, in my day of refreshment, I would probably go and I would take a hike or I'd take a nap maybe or I'd take a hike and I'd grab my Bible and and bring it with me and I'd read and I'd just go walk and talk to God. For me, that's refreshing, but that's not refreshing for everybody else. And so what's refreshing for one person is probably different for another person. Why is that important? Because what it means is we can't put hard and fast rules in place as to what is rest and what's not rest, right? Because when you read in the Bible, what's one of the things that Jesus was hardest on the religious leaders for? Doing just that. And so it's interesting. So right at that time, I don't want to give you more information than what you want, but right at that time, I think this is, this is good to know, um, before, right before Jesus, the, G- the Greek culture was sort of influencing everything, the Hellenistic culture. And so the Jews at the time were not wanting to lose their Jewishness, their Jewish identity. And so what they started to do was like codify things. And they'd say, this, so you, you, know, you have the Old Testament stuff, the Ten Commandments and things. They would take it a step further so that people would know exactly what it means to be a Jew and what it doesn't mean to be a Jew. These are all the things that you could do. These are a bunch of things you can't do. Well, one of the things that they codified was the Sabbath. They called it the Shabbat. And they would say, on the Sabbath, you're allowed to do this, 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 and this, and you're not allowed to do this. And so this is one of the things that then when Jesus comes along, he's like, you guys are completely missing it, right? And he has some really harsh words for the religious leaders about the Sabbath. And so one example in Mark chapter 2, Jesus is walking along with his disciples and they, and they go and they pick some grain. It's just like on the path. Or like they pick it, they kind of shuck it in their hands and they're kind of chewing it, they're munching on it as they go. And the Pharisees see this and they're like, lawbreaker, look at you, you're harvesting on the Sabbath. I don't know, I just walked by and picked a piece of grain and, I, and I'm like chewing on it. That's work, they would say. And Jesus is like, no, you don't get it. Like you're, you're completely missing. And so Mark 2, 27, he says this. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is made for us. We're not made for the Sabbath. What's he talking about? 
Well, we can make the Sabbath all about like following all these rules and nitpicking and wondering, you know, if we're going to violate the Sabbath if we, you know, run to McDonald's and get food for lunch, something like that. And we're like, no, no, that's, Jesus is like, no, that's not what it's about. He clarifies for us. It's not about us being a slave to the laws of the Sabbath. The reason the Sabbath was instituted, the reason rest is instituted is for us. It's for me. So I'd say it this way. The command to rest is for our own good. It's a command. God gives us an example. He made us to need it, right? And it's for our own good so that we could have regular and consistent time to focus on the Lord, to worship him, to worship him as part of his family, collectively with other people, and to be refreshed. So by the time, a little bit later in the Bible, when you get to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 14, Paul talks about this as well, and he goes a little bit further, and he says, by the way, the day of the week's not important either. That's why we worship on Sunday, most churches, and not Saturday. It's like the day of the week's not important. If you consider Saturday night, the Sabbath, to be the day that's set apart, it's fine. If you consider an all days the same, it's fine. The day of the week's not important. What's important is that you rest as God commanded us to rest. And so I, I read some articles this week. I just, I just think this is so interesting. Like what the Bible tells us and how it describes our world is so accurate. And so I was reading about um, our bodies, like our, hu- our human bodies, and how important rest is to us. And so you, like, you think physically. To be physically healthy, we need to have adequate rest. When you work out, for example, in order for your muscles to grow, you know when your muscles grow? When you sleep, when you rest. That's when human growth hormone is secreted. And so that's, that's when they heal, that's when you grow. When, when we don't get adequate rest, our immune system doesn't fire on all cylinders. And you know what's ha- what happens then? We get much more susceptible to viruses and diseases. Like physically, our bodies are designed that we, we need to have rest. Emotionally, to be healthy, we need to have adequate rest. When we don't have adequate rest, we're much more susceptible to stress, to anxiety, right? Uh, socially, when we don't have enough rest, what are our attitudes like, generally? I can tell you what mine's like. Grumpier, less patient with people, more annoyed by things, right? I like guess pretty standard. It's kind of usually how it goes. Cognitively, I thought this was really interesting. With our thinking, we need to have adequate rest. So when we don't get enough sleep, you know what happens? We have trouble concentrating. We have trouble focusing, thinking clearly, remembering things. Right? So on a night before, you know, a, a lot of our, if you have young kids, you know, they have all this testing in schools now. It's like all the time. There's all this testing stuff. And so before the big test, you know, my kid's a little bit nervous and we're like, go to bed early. Get a good night's sleep so you can wake up and you can be refreshed. Really important. I read about this study um, by the British Journal of Occupational and Environmental Medicine. Okay. Sounds legit, right? And so I was talking, it was reading, or did this research about the correlation between sleep deprivation and drunkenness. And what it determined was driving while drunk is actually very similar to driving while sleep deprived. Like it has the same impairments on us. Isn't that interesting? It's just as bad as drunkenness. So what's the point here? God wired our bodies to need rest. Like that's how he made us. To function properly, we need to have rest. God wired our world to need rest for us, for other animals, for the land. 
all of that needs periods of rest in order to function properly. Is this making sense? Have I, have I convinced you yet that we need to take rest without feeling guilty about it? Let me go on. Let me, let me summarize. So God rested. He commanded us to rest. Not just us, but animals, the land too. What is rest? Well, rest is a time to focus on the Lord, to worship him personally, with his family, corporately. And then it's also anything that refreshes us. That's what rest is. No universal rules there. You know what's worked for you. You know what's refreshing for you, right? And God commanded us to rest, not so that we would be a slave to a bunch of rules, but instead because he built us to need it. We need it, and in his kindness, he says, take it, right? Okay, so we should rest, right? Daily, we need rest. I, I think um, God gave us nighttime for that. There's nowhere in the Bible, but I, I just think that that's why God like turns the lights out on the world because our bodies, doctors and scientists say our bodies need to have seven, eight hours of rest. I think God built the nighttime so that we would go, okay, dark, not a whole lot we could do, take rest. I realize in our world today, some people work at nighttime. It's cool, right? There's no universal rules with this. It's, it, we're, we're free. There's no magical time, but we need rest daily. Seven, eight hours is what's best. And then God commands us to take rest during the week, to have a day during the week where we do that, to be refreshed, to celebrate, worship him corporately, individually, right? So what if I say no? Like, what if you sit here today and you're like, listen, Jeff, I hear you. I understand that God says we need to take rest, but you don't understand how busy my life is. I work like 70 hours a week and I got a family and I got to come home and I got to make dinner and I got to, you know, like take the kids to practice and pay the bills and clean the house and I got to do it all again tomorrow. Like I, I literally don't have time in my schedule to have a day of rest or to set aside time every day to have rest. Well, I'll tell you what was like just, I don't know, surprisingly, what was most surprising in my study this week as I was, you know, reading about the Sabbath, it's surprising just how serious God is about when we don't do what he calls us to do with this. It's very interesting. It's probably best if we just look at it together. So, so this is Exodus 31. So this is what God tells us, um, those that don't do what he says, which is what's best for us to take rest, for those that don't do what he says, this is what he tells us. This is Exodus 31, 12. Then the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for generations to come so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Observe the Sabbath because it's holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it, ready, must be put to death. Whoever does any work on the day that uh, any work on that day must be cut off from his people. For six days works to be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day must be put to death. And you read that, and you're like, wow. God's serious about it. I would say it this way. When God commanded us to take rest, he meant it. Right? Like he meant it. Now, of course, this is written, let's clarify here, this is written to a particular nation that God chose to set apart to be different, right? This is all before Jesus, so it's written specifically to the Jewish nation, so we have to be careful that we don't directly apply all the specifics. However, 
I would challenge you to not just dismiss this and go, well, like, we don't kill people for not resting. Like, we don't do that in our world today. I challenge you not to do that, but instead to take the principle, the heart of what God, like, this is really, really, really important to God, right? Of all of the commandments, this is the one that carried, I, I, this just blows my mind. Of all the commandments, you know, Ten Commandments, all the derivations off of that, this is the one that God that carried the most serious penalty if you, if you broke it, if you didn't follow it, if you, if you ignored what God said. This one, rest, carried the most serious penalty. One of the authors that I read said, no other commandment is so strongly emphasized, showing its great importance to Israel. It carried the death penalty for infringement. I read that and I'm like, I was not expecting that. You know? Like, I, sometimes we think like, rest is a luxury that you may get at the end of a long day, or you may not get, you know? God cares about our work. That's what he cares about. I've got to work hard and the quality of work. I can't be lazy and all that sort of stuff. Like, bay. Like, that's what God's like, right? I'm like, no. God also cares equally about our rest. Our rest is paramount in God's eyes. So here's a question for you. Are you resting the way that God desires you to rest in your life? No one can answer that for you. You know, you know what resting is. You know what's refreshing and you know what's work for you. You know your schedule and what time you take and what time you don't take. Are you resting the way that God desires us? He doesn't want us to just rest. He doesn't want us to be lazy. But resting the way that he tells us is not lazy. In fact, it's really, really important. You know, let me, let me, give, you, let me give you two other things before I wrap up. Do you know what it does for a spiritual? So we talked about like the physical part of it, like our bodies need it, our world, the way that God created us, we need rest. You know what it does for us spiritually? Think about this. Taking rest shows that we trust God. Taking rest the way that he tells us to shows, it demonstrates that we trust God. Again, some of us may be sitting out here going, you don't understand, I don't have time for rest. You know what God would say to that? Try me. Test me on this. See how I provide for you. We, we may sit here and go, you know what? If I rest, if I don't pick up the extra overtime hours at work, I don't, you don't understand, I won't be able to pay my bills. I won't be able to do it. I won't be able to get by. God says, try me. Test me. If you do what I say, just see how I will provide for the needs that you have. But when you get, so we've been spending all of our time in Genesis and Exodus, the very beginning of the Old Testament. You get to the very end of the Old Testament, to the book of Malachi, and God says something fascinating to the Jewish people through the prophet Malachi. So at the point that they're at, they're like, they're not bringing God the best of their offerings and their tithes. Like they don't have enough. They're like barely scraping by, and yet they're still called to bring to God literally the best of what they had. And they're like, if we do that, we won't have enough. We won't be able to live and exist. And this is what God says to them. This is uh, Malachi 3.10. He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. What does he say? Test me. Try me. 
do what I say and just wait and see how I will provide for your needs. In fact, I will pour out blessing on you beyond, like you'll have to build bigger barns, like beyond what you could imagine. And guys, I, I read that and I realize that was written to a different group of people about a different thing thousands of years ago, but the principle is the same. God is speaking to those that love him, that are his followers, and he's saying, just do what I say and watch how I take care of you. And I think it's the same thing with rest. When we do what God says, even if we don't know like how we're going to manage, you know, how all the details are going to work out, he says that he'll provide. And so taking rest shows that we trust that the Lord is good, that he's going to provide for our needs. And you know, what I talked about in that more and more series, like that's kind of a big part of what it means to be a Christian. I have a relation, I know God, we have a relationship, we love each other, and so I trust him, right? Like I don't know how it's all going to work out, but I, I, I say I follow him and I'm going to trust him, and so I'm going to do what he tells me to do. It shows our trust, right? Resting shows our trust. Let me end with this. And, and I think this is so cool. I was talking to Don about this last night. I think this is so cool. You know what else rest does? Like what else it points us toward? So God made us to need it, right? He commands us to take it. You know what it all leads toward? It reminds us of two things. Grace, his grace, and his eternity. Right? And so you look at like this, I think this is, I would say it this way. Jesus is our rest for salvation. Jesus is our rest for salvation. Think about like how God says we can be forgiven and made right. Is it by working, working, working really hard and I got to make it all happen and it all depends on me? Or is it all about rest in me? I finished it. I paid the price. It reminds me of Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's a gift from God. Not by works, not by your works, so that no one can boast. When we rest, it reminds us that God is the one who's working, right? And if we want to be with him one day, like we think of salvation, salvation's all about rest. It's not about doing it as if it all depends on me. I, I, I think about this, and I need to be reminded of what Jesus says in Mark 11 regularly. He said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. My burden is light. I read that, and I'm like, that's the kind of God that I want to get to know. Yeah, that loves me that way. It says, come, you're weary, you're struggling, you're hurting. Maybe some of us here this morning have never found rest in him, in Jesus. And we're tired, we're weary, we're like a dead man walking. I think Jesus would say to us this morning, Come to me. You'll find rest. I'll give you rest. Stop working. You know? And then maybe others of us, we come to church and we sing songs about, you know, God, we trust you. You're in control. You're big. You're awesome. You're powerful. You're mighty. And then we walk out the doors and we go throughout our week and we act like it all depends on us. And we're like, I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to do this and I don't have any time. 
instead of stepping back and going, you know what? God's in control. I'm going to do it the way that he says, and I'm going to rest in him. This morning, wherever you're at, I challenge you. So God made us to need rest, right? He commanded us to take rest. He, he promises that he'll provide for us in our rest. The question is, will we trust him enough to actually do what he says and to take it? He says, try me, test me, and see if I'll provide for you.